everybody, this is Sean. And this is Kevin. And welcome to another episode of Shot by Shot. Uh, we would like to apologize because we took our winter break a little bit early. Yes, we, we had our, our winter solstice during the fall. <laughs> <laughs> but we do, in fact, have someone ready to welcome all of our listeners back. The wonderful, the mightily prolific, Mr. Matt Kim. Now, I discovered Matt through my management and Department H's follow-up for Dark Horse Comics, both of which he wrote and drew. Uh, but the thing about Matt that's interesting is that this guy has produced so much work, the only thing I can think of him as being this kind of intellectual spinster of revitalizing and subverting classic genre tropes. Does that sound about right? Yeah, you said it better than I could. Uh, <laughs> I said it much more long-windedly. Yeah. Oh, it's eloquent. Uh, <laughs> there's so few guys that can write really amazing stories and then sit down and draw those. You know, it's just really, uh, he, he's the, the dual threat and background and design. And you know, it's really cool to hear. I, I, I knew a lot about Matt, but I didn't realize all, how much I didn't know about Matt. So this is really cool. If you're, if you're not a Matt Kent fan, you will be after listening to this. The guy's also co-writing a comic with Keanu Reeves. That's just fucking cool. <laughs> and that's yeah, Berserker for Boom Studios. Yeah, I'm looking so forward to reading that. Yeah, I have to say, there's there's very few PR announcements these days that I'm like, get really jealous about. Uh, but that was one where I was incredibly jealous that, uh, <laughs> that I, I wasn't a part of it in some way. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be good. But I mean, thing about Matt is whenever that wraps, he'll have something else that's equally as enthralling just around the corner. That man is a bulldozer of effort and good stories. Well, on that note, I say let's jump right in. All right, hey everybody, here we are with the wonderful Mr. Matt Kent. As I was discussing with Matt just now, his collection, his au revoir, of things he's written and drawn is so extensive, I don't know where to begin. My favorite is mind management. I am also a huge fan of Department H. Uh, and also, he's been working on Bang recently uh, with Alfredo Torres. As well, he has a pretty significant comic project coming up with the one and only Keanu Reeves, Berserker. I, I know that is yeah. pronounced, is worded very specifically. It's spelled that way because I, when I was first typing up notes, I guess I missed, I don't know how to spell Berserker. So I spelled it wrong. But yeah, I just spelled it wrong. I was like, how do you spell Berserker? Like, I don't ever use that word. And so I went back and looked at it. I was like, oh, I don't like, I didn't like the real spelling as much as I liked how I spelled it. But I just, I took out a couple of vowels. <laughs> That's fantastic. So as this is called Shot by Shot, this is usually how it breaks down. One of us is drinking a lot of alcohol. One of us is drinking a little bit of alcohol. And one of us is Brian. Uh, <laughs> but let's break it down. What's everybody drinking right now? Let's start with you, Matt. It's just some, I joined the wine of the month club or whatever. They mail you a box of it. So I don't know what it is. It's just whatever. <laughs> it's a rest. They send you like, yeah, they send you 12 <laughs> bottles of it. And then when you're done, they send you 12 more. <laughs> Wait, tw 12, 12 bottles. Yeah. It's like, it comes in a big box and like, uh, <laughs> And the problem is like I'm the only one in the house that drinks it, so it's like I, like keep sending it, and I was like I can't keep up with the <laughs> amount of it, so I 
there's a ton of it in the house right now. But like, what if you <laughs> wow. dislike that wine? You have 11 other bottles of it just well, in. They get, you pick, you go on the website and then you pick like, you can just pick all kinds of different ones. They send you different stuff. Okay. So if you don't, if you don't like something, you can just go, ah. Yeah, 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 you go on there and you, you can rate it. It's like a subscription service where you just rate it and then you can repeat ones if you like it or just ditch the ones you don't. Are, are you generally a wine guy? No, I'm not. I'm not a wine guy at all. That's the thing is like, I, <laughs> I mean, I go to, they list like the the most popular ones and I was like, I'll just pick those because I figure somebody knows. But I do, I have the same thing with coffee. I do the same thing with coffee because that's, I'm really a coffee guy. Wine I don't care about, but coffee I do. And so they, I have this other one where they send you like two bags of stuff every month. That's just like from all over the world. It's really good. Uh, wow. dude, we can hang, man. We can definitely <laughs> hang. Yeah. Look, are you a coffee guy? Oh yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I have like my favorite region too. Like Ethiopian coffee is like my favorite. Like, and then it goes out from man. there. But, man, totally man. cool, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more of a more of a South American guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I, I like some stuff from there. I don't. Uh, Hawaii coffee is the one I don't like. I think it's there's it's too. Uh, yeah. Something yeah. about it, but. Yeah, yeah. Like Hawaii, Hawaii, Hawaiian coffee is 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 good. It's it's just like a. I don't want to say dirt. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, but it does. It has like that earth. It's like an earthy taste to it that I just, uh, whatever. I don't know how to. I don't yeah. have the vocabulary to tell you why. <laughs> yeah, same same way. I just like drinking it. <laughs> so on that note, Brian, what are you imbibing right now? Uh, in in honor of Matt, I figured after reading some of his stuff, uh, I got this tea, and this tea is called Wellconda. And I'm assuming it's based on Wakanda, but yes. when you when you brew it, it's like dark and blue, but it doesn't taste dark and blue. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's something kind of it's got a little wheatgrass, uh, not wheatgrass, but lemongrass in it. So it's like it's mysterious, but once you experience it, you get it. And, and that's kind of how I feel about Matt's work. It's like <laughs> from, from the outside, there's something dark and a little bit off-putting about it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, uh, but once you get into oh, it, my life. it's pretty smooth. <laughs> All right, Kevin, put us to shame. I, it, this is the true story. I was in the dark trying to find my microphone to run... Uh, 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 preface the story I, I told the guys earlier like we had the hurricane come through and uh, so i'm without power at home so it was uh running down here to uh, my office which does have power thank god so i just reached into the cabinet and i was like well all right this is a bottle so i've got my knob creek uh, 12 year which is the, my i think the first <laughs> the first uh podcast is what i drank uh it's really good stuff so yeah it was completely by chance i had no idea what i had in my hand when i was running out the door and it's kind of cool because I don't ever drink at the office. So I'm like going to totally get blitzed and have to get the uh, Uber guy to come pick me up and take me home. How far <laughs> away are you from your home? Like 10 minutes. It's really not far. Oh, I'd give too you far a ride. To drive if I drink too much of this, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, man, it's been a big year for you. How are you feeling? Good. You know, I've been, I've been busy, like super busy. And I think it's just weird to me. I feel like like when the economy is tanks and everything's bad for everybody that's when i do my best 
like for some reason I'm the busiest and when everybody's doing great then it's like things dry up for me so it's a uh, it's been great I feel kind of guilty with how much work I've been in, doing you know but uh no it's been good it's been a good year a weird one like a bunch of different projects I'm working on like I'm doing some screenwriting I'm doing comics like I've always done drawing a book I'm it's just like all over the place. What book are you drawing right now? Or can you say? Um, I just finished, we finished, we did a Kickstarter over the summer for this. It's called the Heck, Heck Treasury. And it's, I share a studio with two other artists. So we uh, each did like 60 page sci-fi stories that aren't connected at all, but we just put them together in an anthology. So we're, I'm done with mine. I just finished that one. And, and I'm waiting on one of our other studio mates to finish his so that we can publish the book. But that and then uh i'm doing layouts for a new like a uh that i'm not drawing but i'm doing layouts for a, a super or a mind management sequel not oh, a sequel wow. like a like it's like a like a limited series like a it branches off from the main thing it's its own thing can we talk about this or is this still under wraps yeah we can't really talk about it because like there's another person drawing it i'm sort of helping with and then uh but I do. Oh, and the mind management board game that's going on. That's the thing that was. Oh man. Oh, wow. <laughs> God, it was a, that's the thing I've been working on for like uh, a year. And I'm like, where's all my time go? And I'm like, Oh yeah, it's, it's the board game. Cause there's, there's so much art involved. Like there's the board and there's all the pieces. And then I did like 14 little mini comics, like eight page mini comics that go with it that you open up. Like as you play the game, you open up a box and there's a comic in it and there's extra pieces and then it expands the game and there's 14 of those. So, and they have to, each mini comic has to sort of tell it, be a standalone story, but also sort of like tie into the game. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now is, is this based on an existing uh, board game structure or are you guys just doing something? Yeah. I partnered scratch? with two guys, uh, Jay and Sam, they're, they're board game designers. Like they've designed a bunch of board games and they were fans that they happen to be fans of the book. And I just got into board games a couple of years ago just for, as like a fan of board games and I bumped into them and I was like, Hey, I'm, I love board games and they love my management. So they designed a game. Uh, and I was like, well, I'll do like our budget for the art is unlimited. Cause I'll just do all of it. Not realizing it was going to be so much work, you wow. know, but uh, so it's fun to do. It's going to be neat when it's all done. Like all the pieces, like there's a big board. That's the playing board that you, all the pieces and everything's on. And then there's like a little sideboard that, uh, one of the players has but that sort of fits if you flip the board over it fits onto the back and then there's like a story there's like stories within stories oh, man. in the board game it's it's super cool and there's like a there's like a lot of secret messages and hidden stuff in there there's like a there's like a little red counter that counts the rounds and it's like a but it's like a see-through red film but if you move that around on the board it, it exposes other like little secret messages and you can go to a website and get other stuff. Like it's super crazy. Matt, that <laughs> like, is really crazy. But that is so meta for you. Cause when I think of your work and when I think of mind management specifically, I think of you as a character first person. I can picture you crafting the backstories meticulously of these characters. Then you almost have like a wind up on the back of them. And then the rest of the comic after these incredibly exploratory excursions into their interiority you just let them collide on like on a canvas like it's almost like they like kind of project themselves off of all the work you've done already 
Yeah, I don't know. I just I, part of it to me is like insecurity, or I feel like the comic, like there's never enough in it. It's like, are you getting your money's worth? Like out of this comic, like it must be like four bucks. Like, like, and if you read it in ten minutes, I'm like, I feel like that's not worth it. Like, so I feel like I gotta keep pouring something into it, you know, or make it something where, like, if you pick it up a year later, you'll notice something. Like, oh yeah, oh my god, there's this other thing in there. But I, I feel that way about everything. Like every book I do and every comic, it's just like I, I feel like I, if I'm not putting. Uh, more than enough in there, then it's then I feel like I'm just being lazy. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, something that's strange is um, when I was reading uh, Bang, I, I felt I could I can gorge myself on that, but yeah. when I started reading Mind Management, after reading a big chunk of it, I really got to the point where it felt like this is almost like taking too much speed, <laughs> you know, where where I gotta be. <laughs> I got to be careful of how much of this stuff I take in at uh, at one point. So, um, so I, I think it's actually a good idea to sort of limit yourself on how much of that you yeah, yeah, read at once. What's funny is like after mind management, I realized like there's a dial, and you could and I with mind management, I just turned it up all the way because I was like, I didn't know if I was ever going to do. When I started that, I was like, I don't know if I'm doing comics after this. Like this might be my wow. last thing. Like, so I was like, if this is it then I'm just going to turn it up all the way and put everything in there, you know? And then by the time I was done, I was done well enough where I was like, Oh, I guess I'm doing this. This is a career. I can make a living doing it, you know? And then, uh, so some of that pressure was off to like put everything I had into it and then try to find, because what I found out too is people like mind management, but they would come to me and be like, yeah, I feel like it makes me feel dumb or it makes me feel like I'm not getting everything. And I was like, ah, oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't want that. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't want that. Like, like, uh, it's a, like since my management, I felt like I've been trying to calibrate it. Like for me, bang yeah. was like a, an adjustment. It's like, okay, let's, what if I turned it down and it's still weird and there's like a lot of things going on, but it's like a little more straightforward, you know? And even there's like text pages in the back, which is still me being like, Ooh, did you get enough? Is it worth four bucks? I don't know if it's worth yeah. $4. Page. I totally got it, man. I, <laughs> okay. I, I, I totally got into it. And in, in fact, um, after I read like kind of the first chapter, I, I kind of felt like, okay, this almost feels like uh, William S. Burroughs and Napoleon Hill had a baby. <laughs> you know, it was like this, this weird, this weird thing of like, okay, this is sort of, got this self-help feel to it <laughs> but at the same time it's got this like detective's descent <laughs> you know sort of into a loss of reality i mean that was it was just so fascinating no no i appreciate it what what's funny is like let's talk about your book because then you you just started kickstarter right the or yeah. uh mm -hmm. did it just fin did it finish yeah yeah the uh, the first uh the first issue just yeah. launched on that yes yeah, so i was trying i was like oh man i hope we don't overlap, but I was like, I know we don't, because my thing is so like ridiculous. And, oh, like, yeah, you scared, you whatever. scared really good. But uh, uh, when I saw the announcement, I was because we were already working. Brian was already drawing. Yeah, uh, yeah. When Bang came out, and I was like, oh shit, man, like this is right. And his name was Thomas. Or like, oh, I know, like I saw that too. I was like, <laughs> what's happening? I was like, it's okay. It's different. There's room for both of them, and they're, they're it's great. You know, I can't wait to see what yeah. you guys do. Well, that's that's the cool thing is, um, well, Fredo sent me uh, a copy of the first issue, yeah. like right when he finished the uh, the art, 
And, uh, and I was just like, whoa. And I read it. And after I read it, I was just like, okay, we can hunt together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, we can, yeah, no. We can. Yeah, yeah, it, was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, you. Yeah, by the time you get to issue five, you'll see ours just went completely off the rails. Like, <laughs> oh man, but it's but it's a really it's a really sweet like off the rails uh, kind of thing. That's something that I thought when I first started reading it. You played right into this. Oh, this is James Bond. This is. I'm not going to question what you bring to the table. But by the time you get to the end of that first issue, it's like, whoa, <laughs> you know? yeah. and then you do it again and again and again. And, uh, and I was three issues in with just a bunch of questions. <laughs> so, so that was that was a lot of fun. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, it's uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I uh, when I started that series, I was I grew up with James Bond. So it's like I've always been a Bond fan or whatever, like my my two earliest memories are Star Wars at the theater when I was like four years old. And then my next memory that like if I that I can confirm a date on is is uh, Moonraker at the drive in theater. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is like, like maybe the worst James Bond, but also like it's it's a uh, I still love it, you know, so I've, I grew up in that with that stuff. But as an adult, too, it's like, I don't what can I do that's different or bring something different to it? And then and then I wanted to do something that wasn't wasn't just him, but like and you'll see like in Bang, every issue is like another thing from that I was a fan of, like from basically the 80s. So it's oh, like yeah. murder, there's like a murder she wrote character and like a oh yeah. Uh, and who else? And like uh she's a lady, but it's the basically night rider like sort of the thing with like the talking technology and then yep. like I I was trying to tap into something that was every pulp genre that I love, you know, but like, uh, and not necessarily derivative, but like a, like a spin on that. And, uh, and I think it came yeah. about cause I, like, I was a fan of like, like doc Savage and the shadow and all the super old pulp. Oh, stuff, dude. Right. Yeah, that's, that's my language right there, man. Yeah, yeah. And so my initial thought was like, Oh, I'm going to do like a modern day, but I'll do takes sort of like spins on those characters. But then I, I'm old and it's like, I don't know that there's the, but the shared sort of like nostalgia for those characters or like the, yeah. you know what I mean? It's not in people's consciousness anymore. Like, un- their, their collective unconscious doesn't have those characters in it anymore because like that era. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of tough because you could you could throw out half of a Doc Savage line and I'm going to catch it, but right, like, right. I'm just, I'm going to be like part of the 5% that's going to catch it. I, I know, <laughs> right? Know? So that's what I, so then I was like, well, what is it? those characters didn't die you know they've dna has been has been like uh threaded through to modern day like through different characters and things so i started thinking about like what are those where are those characters now what are they now like doc savage is is a version of like uh not not directly but like like bruce willis and die hard there's a like a little bit oh yeah yeah, there. yeah. and like and indiana jones uh indiana also jones. is, is yeah, got a yeah. piece of that yeah so it's like he there's always like a new version of those core characters, you know? And so I was like, well, so that's kind of what I thought. I was like, let me build a team or build like a series where I can sort of mess with all those. And it's something new and different, but yeah. But yeah. Like a, and dude, that's, that's, that's one of the things that, um, and, and I always try to look for that, that voice, you know, with, with it, within all the cacophony of, of writing, I kind of go, well, what's, what's the voice here. 
And, and something that I found that kept coming back to me about your work, which I thought was really cool, is the fact that you're anachronistic, but unique at the same time. And, uh, and how do you think you got to that place where you're, you're drawing on those tropes, but you're putting just such a weird spin on it? That's a weird thing. I don't, that's the thing I don't know. You know, it's like any creator. It's like, you don't like, think about your style. Like, where does you, if you put it in art terms, like, it's like, I can go back and I can look at like, oh, these are my artistic influences. You know, and I'm trying to be like this. I'm trying to be like that when you're younger. Right. And you, and at a certain point you realize I'm like, oh, I, I can't do that thing, you know, but what <laughs> I do, it comes out like this. It, com it just comes out as something different. It's like your handwriting, you know what I mean? Like your art, like the style of your art is, is really like your, it's as unique as your handwriting, you know? And it's like, you can be trying for something, but then it ends up being like, whatever you are, and like, you can't hide that, you know? And like, whatever your style is, it's not something you, I, I think you shoot for a thing and then you, what you are ends up filling up the area. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so I think writing's the same way. It's like, I, who knows, you know? It's like, it's like whatever your weird experiences were when you were a child, plus like how your parents treated you or didn't treat you mixed with <laughs> like everything you read and watched and everything. And then it just comes out in like whatever weird mishmash that comes out as. <laughs> so. Yeah, I always try to, I always try to tell guys um, that are getting in don't try to find your voice, try to find your song. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you, if you look for your song, your voice is going to follow. Mm -hmm. Brian, yeah. do you know the piece of Matt Kent art that I have that's original? This is no. perfectly complimenting your point. Uh, <laughs> it's an homage to double indemnity. So we know okay. Matt loves noir, oh. but Matt calls it triple indemnity. And that's why I think of with his work, he always like pushes it to one creepy psychedelic standard deviation more than what those influences may have been <laughs> yeah and, it, and it's it's really cool because i i see a lot of writers just go for that hey i'm just gonna be all weird i'm gonna you know get like nuts you know on stuff but there's no foundation there and and your your foundation is stone and and it's just like, it makes the weird stuff. It makes the sort of crazy psychedelic stuff that you get into feel more so because you actually feel the schism. You feel that, that, that difference in there. And, and you, especially with, um, with mind management, you slide into it so gracefully <laughs> you know, that, um, that like as a reader, you kind of get to the point where you're, it's just like, okay, I'm crazy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so so it's, a, it's, it's an awesome experience uh, reading your stuff. Oh, I appreciate it. I, a lot of what I do, like the triple indemnity to me, it comes from like being a fan of like film noir and double indemnity and uh, Salvador Dali and just like a lot of this, whatever stuff I, I like and then turning it into like a dumb joke like triple indemnity is, <laughs> was like a dumb joke. I woke up one morning. I was like, "Hey, that what would the sequel to Double Indemnity be? Indemnity be, be triple indemnity? <laughs> it's so so stupid. Like it starts out with a silly idea, but then I was I try to put, and I don't know if it comes to I try to put like something real in there, and like like even my management is crazy as it gets. 
at the end, when you get to the very end, I didn't really know what that series was about. You know, I was like, I was trying to put everything I loved into it and like tell a story about like, like how we perceive reality and what's real and like how to, how, why people treat each other the way they do and, and think the way they think. Uh, but at the end of the day, like when I got to the last issue, I was like, oh, this is, I really, I just want people to be good to each other. Like I want, and then, mm-hmm. then I look back, I was like, that series is every, I don't want to ever say like what, this is what it's about or this is what it means. But by the time I got to the end, I was like, oh, I think. For me, it was just coming to the real realization, you know, of just like take care of the people next to you, you know, be good to the people around you. And and uh, as sappy as that is, I'm like, that's what I feel like. I could put all the crazy stuff in there and make it fun, but without without it having some kind of meaning or like something being about something, I don't know that it it's just would be empty to me. And uh, yeah, and I, I, uh, I think um, that's the magic of film noir. You know, you, you had all this stuff with gangsters, you had all this stuff with femme fatales and all of this, but it, it all came down to that really simple message of, on a lot of occasions, it was like, don't be an asshole. Yeah, no, it's totally true. And, that, and honestly, even with Bang, like the first issue to me, I was like, I'm such a huge fan of Bond and like that genre and all of that and everything, but there's such a, like, and especially being older, and, I, and being married for 20 plus years and having a daughter who's 17, I was like, there's such, there's like a misogynistic undertone to James Bond that I don't know how to like, uh, how do you, I, it's not, I'm not justifying. I was like, I don't know how to put that into what I am. Like, that's not me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, the, and the sad thing is James Bond as the character is almost requires that, <laughs> yeah. know, which is bizarre. Yeah. yeah so, that's why to me it was super important. Like the first issue of Bang is like I wanted to, I wanted to do something in that genre and everything, but I also wanted to kill that, kill the part I hated. It's like yeah. it's not spoiling, but like three or four pages in, there's the James Bond character, and he just and I just blow his head off. And I was like, to me, I felt like I was like that was fun and it's like a neat little twist and everything. But also it was like me like saying like I don't, I'm rejecting that. Like this is gonna be something else, and let's reject the stuff that we don't like about that and try to do something new with it. I don't know. Yeah. When, when I was reading that part, it was, it was strange where, and, and oftentimes it happens when I'm, when I'm watching like a Netflix show or something like that, where something spectacular happens and I stop and I hit the pause button and I go, wait, there's at least another 20 minutes left to the show. <laughs> you know? It's like, <laughs> where, where are we going from here? Uh-huh. And, uh, and when I read that part in, uh, in Bang, I was just like, oh, 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 hold on. There's more pages <laughs> left in this book. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm only where can the story go from here? <laughs> you know? so that, was, that was pretty, pretty spectacular. <laughs> so the next big thing we have going on is the Kickstarter that just wrapped for Berserker. Now, yep. we, we got to ask, how are you just like, all right, Keanu Reeves, let's go ahead and make a comic book about a half god, half man waging the most violent wars on behalf of the U.S. military. Where did this come from? <laughs> well, you don't, that's not, you don't just take that idea to Keanu. That was an idea he had. <laughs> so <laughs> it's more like he comes to you and he's like, hey, I got this idea, but I haven't written a comic book before. Were you guys so buddies? No, we weren't. I it was through it was through Boom. So I'd been doing. Uh, I wrote Folklords 
um, Grass Kings with, and Grass Kings and everything. And so I've been working with Boone for a while. They have like an office on the Fox lot, and I don't know how they hooked up with Keanu. I think he was there. However, he, I think they reached out to him. And they're like, hey, if you ever are interested in comics, you know, you know, we we make comics. And uh, and so they asked if he had anything, and he's like, he had had this idea sort of kicking around in the back of his head for years, I think. And uh, he was like, yeah, I got this thing. And uh, but as he's like, I don't comic book writer. I'd have to have somebody to work with or whatever. And so they 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 called me and they're like, hey, he's, we have a weird project. We don't know if you're interested. And I was like, well, let's kind of that's cool, but what's the idea? And they kind of told me the idea over the phone, and it was basically like. Like, yeah, it's like a guy who's he's a mortal warrior and he lives forever and he can't be killed. And I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously on the phone, I was like, I was like, uh, I was like, I, yeah, I was like, well, I'll take, I'll take the meeting because it's Keanu. You know what I mean? That'll be cool. And then I could tell my daughter, I was like, hey, I had a meeting with Keanu to my daughter, and she'll think I'm cool. And then, uh, but I took the meeting, and then when we got there, and then he actually pitched the full idea. I was like, oh, okay, that's. There was more to it you know there's like there's like a little there's a secret twist that i won't spoil for the comic but there's something else he had that wasn't conveyed to me until i got into the meeting and i was like oh that's that's really good like i like that it was an extra twist on that idea because i had been kicking around for years like the idea of like a vampire who lives forever and like i love the idea yeah. of a, one character right who's and you can have him in any part of history and sort of like what's that like and the psychology of that and everything so i had thought about it a lot but all my ideas were like, hey, I don't want to, who wants, I don't want to do a vampire book. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, it, that. my problem was the same problem I had when they initially pitched me the general idea. I was like, man, what are you going to do that's different? You know, like Highlander and vampires. I don't know. It just seems like he told me the rest of it. I was like, oh, that's cool. And, uh, and so then I was interested in doing it. And then, um, yeah, it just worked out. Like we, we hung out, we had that first meeting and then we had a few more meetings and just like spitballed ideas. And, and then I realized it was going to be like, my other trepidation was like, it's Keanu. And I'm like, who, who the hell cares about me? You know, like, what am I doing here? Am I just like, the, am I the typist? <laughs> you know, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. be that either. Uh, but it, but he was really super great to work with, super generous. And like, we kicked ideas back and forth. It became like a true, like co-writing experience. Wow, that's that's great, man. Yeah, and I was like, okay, this is cool. And it's like, I don't care if people think I'm a sellout or I'm just I'm like the ghostwriter or something. Let them think it, because I'm having such a good time. Like we just, like we've been working on this for like over a year, and it's just like the most fun I've had, like co-writing a thing, you know. And uh, I don't really care. It's it's super yeah. fun. <laughs> and I I gotta tell you, man, the um literally like for first of all, Ross Ritchie, screw that guy because what he does is he knows how to manipulate you by, by giving you just enough to take the meeting because he did the same thing to me. <laughs> yeah. Like here's, here's just enough to teach to, to, for you to take the meeting, but not enough for you to actually be interested in the project. <laughs> and then once I got there, you know, it was just like, Whoa, that sounds fantastic. I want to do it. So, yeah. so I've walked in your shoes in uh, in, in that respect and, and I think the other side of it, which is the thing that I was concerned about, as someone who's worked with a giant <laughs> you know, sort of personality with, uh, with Ta-Nehisi Coates, 
I was thinking the same thing that, oh, okay, I'm, I'm just the guy who carries his shoes. But like, it sounds like our experience are kind of paired because he was a guy that I thought, hey man, if you wanna be just a total gorilla, go and I'll just sit back. Uh, but he was exceptionally collaborative. And it sounds like uh, Keanu was the same way, just really, really respect the process. Yeah, no, it was good. And it was, I was kind of on guard at the beginning. I don't want to be like, I'd rather just write my own stuff. You know, I don't, I'm at the point where I don't, I don't necessarily need that. You know, I just, I want to have yeah. fun. Like my whole life, like when I quit my last day job, I actually got fired, not fired. I got laid off from my last day job, like, like uh, 18 years ago. I, my goal is to have fun working. Yeah. Like everything I do, I want it to be fun. You know, and it's like, if it's not fun, I don't want to do it. And you can just track my career and look at my bibliography. And it's like, you can tell like the longer I'm at a place, the more fun I'm having, you know, the longer I'm with the publisher, the better it is and the more fun I'm having. And if I don't like it, I'm not there. Like I don't, and it's, I'm lucky. Like it, you're fortunate in this business to get, if you're in your forties or whatever, and then to be able to do, just take or leave anything, you know, it's like, if yeah. it's not fun, oh, yeah. I'm quitting, you know, if I don't want to do it, if you're a jerk, I don't want to be involved. You know, I just want to work with good people and have fun. And it's comics, you know, that sometimes it pays well and sometimes it doesn't. So, and especially when it doesn't pay well, it's like, then it better be fun. Like, yeah. Fun. Yeah. Well, that, that's yeah. pretty much the logo or the, uh, the, the catchphrase for 12 gauge. It doesn't pay well, but we try to let you have fun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's got, it's gotta be one or the other, you know, and it's, it's yeah. just like the more it pays, like the less fun it is. But I'm trying to navigate that thing where I'm like, I just want to, I don't care about the money at this point. Yeah, if you want the money, sign the exclusive and be told yeah. what to write every month. Yeah, yeah. that's, I tried yeah. that for like a year or whatever. I was like, I don't, this is like having a day job. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, the, um, and the worst thing, the worst thing about that is, uh, is you're not doing your best work. Yeah. You, you end up doing work that you dislike. Being a prostitute just isn't fun. <laughs> you know, so, so it's just like uh, it's it's better to just sit back and go, yeah, give me give me a couple of dollars, let me have fun with it. Yeah, and and I and I find that usually people react to that. Yeah, that's the stuff people want. Like that's the things I want to see. Like if you're writing or drawing or whatever, I want to see what you your ideas. I don't want to see like the same thing I've seen over and over again or somebody else's character. You know, I want to see a new thing. What were you yeah. doing before you were a cartoonist? I was, I went to art school. Um, and then I got, out, when I got out of school, I was just a graphic designer. So I, I got like graphic design jobs here or there for like, from like, from like 1995 till my daughter was born in 2003. So like 2003, so like seven and a half years, I was doing graphic wow. design and I was still doing comic. Like in that time I was doing comics and I had published books like 2001 was like my first published book. So I was doing them, but it was like, but it was perfect because my day job was paying the bills and my comics, I could just do my own graph novels. And, and then uh, it paid out, it paid a little bit of money, but I wasn't dependent on it. So I could just do exactly what I wanted to do and not have to worry about it being the moneymaker. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually I got laid off and I was like, okay, well I better, I'll start doing comics full time and then start paying. As soon as I started doing it full time and started paying the bills full time and, but uh, yeah, but I always wanted to do comics. I just thought, like, especially the kind of stories I wanted to do and my art style, I was like, there's no, 
I'm never gonna Marvel's not gonna want me, DC's not gonna want me. So how do you make money? You know, like so it's like I'll do graphic design, at least I can it'll teach me to I can do all the production and design on my own books. I can do everything. Like I do the lettering, I do the art, I do the like mind management. I literally did it. I turned in finished files for the printer. Like every part of that book, cover, back, everything was just like a file I sent to the to for Dark Horse to edit and then to the printer. Um, it was because I had that design experience. I, yeah, it's so funny that you bring that up because I wondered when I look at that book, I'm like, I bet he touched every single page. Of yeah, this. yeah. <laughs> and, well, and it's fantastic. Somebody who, like, I, I, I'm always working with designers. So, like, when you find a good designer, like, you just, you know, bear hug them and don't yeah. let them go. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and yeah, so, yeah, I know. It makes all the difference from everything, cover and logo to every, every single part of it, you know. And, yeah, and people don't get it. I mean, a, a good designer, a good letterer uh, to the to a, same degree, it's like good editing in a film. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have a Scorsese film, but if you have a shitty editor, man, yeah. I mean, they can mess up something really good. And right, you'll notice it. Yeah, dude, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good editing yeah. and good design, like or good lettering, is is very. You don't notice it. That mm-hmm. means good. Good design, you should notice, but also you don't. I mean, it just feels like it's organic. It's part of the book, and that's the hardest part. Is is if if you have an artist that draws a book. And then you bring in a designer and those two pieces have to go together and mesh or, or, you know, it doesn't, you know, you notice it and then it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The coolest oh, thing that I've ever seen you do with uh, design work, Matt, was on Department H when you have the trades, just watching the water rise up on each of the yeah. spines. I was like, yeah. how does someone incorporate storytelling themes on the spine of the book? Like the That's tension cool. escalates on each... <laughs> of the spines of the book. I'm like, that's Matt Kent in a nutshell. <laughs> that's like the Matt Kent benefit to reading a comic. That's so funny. It's funny because like, uh, like really my design jobs, like just prepared me for that, that stuff. Because I, like I was designing at one point, I was one of my jobs. I worked at the sporting news, which did like a magazine sports magazine, but then they published these, these sports coffee table books. And I was like, I don't, at the time I was like, I don't care about sports. Like I, kind of follow baseball and then nothing else you know and, and uh so i was just trying to like i'm like how do i make these sports books interesting and so i would practice different stuff on the books just to like because i could practice it it's their books i'm gonna i'll learn yeah. how to do different things you know so i i would practice on this on the page edges like if you just put like a like little like just a little color on the edges i figured out how to do uh, so when the book closed, you, it would it would spell it would say uh, one of the books I did was like something about basketball. It was like college basketball's greatest players or something. But then when you close the book, it would say it said college basketball's greatest. The title of the book on the edge of the pages. Wow! But it was my day job, so I was like, I just I spent like a week like figuring out how to do that. Like, how do you make that work? Where uh, without there's no special printing. It's just like how you lay out the page that where the page edge would have it on there. And I figured out the math on how to do that. Um, and then, but then that was just practice for department H. I'm like, Oh, I'll, I know how to do that now. I'll just do this on this. And it'll be like for a story reason, rather than just like messing around. Like I don't, the editor on that sports book didn't, I don't think he knew what I was doing. I just had like a design element on the edge. And then when it was printed, I was like, Hey, look, look at this. 
that that stuff is really cool man it's it, when when the entire package is is part of the story that's that's just so cool yeah. it was it was part of me is competitive too like i know like dave sin back in the day was doing service it was like he did 300 issues and like that oh. was for me that was the bent that was like damn one guy did 300 issues you know and then monthly i was like well i want to do how do i I was like, I always want to try to beat that or do as well as that or do something like that. So mind management was like my version of that where it's like, let's see if let's see what one person can do, you know, and and like I couldn't do 300 issues. I just couldn't do it. Like after three years, 36 issues, I was totally burned out. Um, yeah. But mine were all in color, fully painted, and I didn't pay somebody <laughs> to do the background inks. <laughs> like, yeah. I <laughs> Paid dry to do the backgrounds and then uh and then what else uh but yeah so that's the only thing i have over him other and also i'm not like a i'm not a misogynist is these these guys like uh sim and uh and even jeff smith that just their books are just these giant volumes yeah. <laughs> yeah. and yeah. and it's kind of weird because i don't think i've got that much to say <laughs> so it's yeah. just just amazing to see that stuff yeah cerebus i i when i opened up my comic book store i was still in college and uh so this was in may of 93 and i didn't know about cerebus until i owned a bookstore and uh discovered it and just devoured like I was just amazed. I'm just enthralled with it and to see his progression. And then uh, I guess I caught up around women when that, mm -hmm. when the women volume came out and I was like, wait a second, yeah. <laughs> like, where did, how, where did, how did we get here? Because from here to here, I didn't see all this. Um, I think that's the last <laughs> Well, it's, it's funny because you mentioned Jeff Smith, and I've never read Cerebus because I'm friends with Jeff Smith. I know Jeff yeah. and Dave dislike each other for that reason. Was oh, that wow. the book? Yeah, that yeah. No, they had a big falling out. I remember like in the letters pages or something. I Because I was reading the stuff as it came out. So I was like, I didn't know where Dave Sim was going at the time. You're just like, this is, you, you know, you just don't have any idea. And then, But I was reading Bone at the same time too. And then... <laughs> All that stuff happened but it's interesting i think i think part of it is too like i think it can make you crazy like if you're doing that much work or whatever after a while you you need a break oh, yeah right yeah. it's like i know just three years of not doing a monthly comic it's it like burned me out like so bad like i had to take like six months of doing not even thinking about it because it just it's just i was toast afterwards you know it's just like, i don't know how anybody does a monthly comic for years I don't, I don't, I mean, I mean, I, yeah, that, I, that, that blows my mind. <laughs> you, know, yeah, that's just, just, you know, for me, just trying to edit books um, and, you know, and like the like 12 gauges is, is not a full-time job for me. So, but, you know, editing once, once I get into multiple books and to never take a break, just to edit is, is yeah. impossible. Like, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can see why some of the people at the big publishers kind of lose it because, you know, they're shuffling six, eight books and, you know, trying to get all these guys in, and, and so to actually draw or write a, your own thing for multiple years monthly, man, like that's a lot of pressure on anybody. Kudos if you can do it, but uh, it, it seems like 
a yeoman's task. That's where that's the madness lies there. Like, like look at like like John Byrne and and guys like that that like wrote and drew for so long and everything. It's just like you, at the end of the day, like it's just not good. Um, yeah, it's not good. And I, and I, I think uh, I think with the invention of the internet, it sort of destroyed that ability in humans. Yeah. to, yeah, no, to work on, yeah, I can't on that larger volume of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Those fucking cat videos destroyed the country. <laughs> I mean, I'm completely convinced. <laughs> yes. It's so ADD right now. It's insane. Like I know that there are art studios where it's just basically like YouTube for like four fifths of the time and oh shit, we need to get work done for like yeah. that night. If John, <laughs> if, if John Buscema and and you know Jack Kirby, if they'd had YouTube, like yeah, six over, over, yeah, Jim Jim Aparo, you know, and YouTube can't exist in the same world. <laughs> you know? yeah. man, just I forget mean, about that. They also they also didn't draw Captain America in perfectly detailed combat boots with the. You know, like the, oh the, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Brian Hitch kind of destroyed the how you draw the Avengers, right? I mean, you know, because <laughs> used to be Captain America had red boots. You know, that was it. Yeah. Red. <laughs> he drew his feet <laughs> red on it. Yeah. There's there was no such thing as laces in comics for like you know sort of sixty something years. Yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> convinced that Secret Wars existed so they could put Spider Man in a black costume. Like that's the, yeah. like, what can we do to get Spider-Man change his costume? So that you don't have to draw all those webs. We'll do a 12 issue maxi series and we'll put him in black. Boom. So. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, you were watercoloring your pages. How long did one page take for you to pencil, ink and watercolor? There was an issue of mind management that I painted in, um, I painted in a day like in a 24 hour day. I don't know how many hours it was. And I wasn't, uh, and this is cause I was on a monthly schedule and I was like behind. And so I was able to do it in a day, but I don't, it was like in the twenties, whatever, one of the issues in the twenties. Did you, did you draw the stuff first and then kind of went, okay, I'm finished with the drawing. Let yeah, the painting begin. Yeah. That's what I would, I would like pencil, pencil the whole issue, then ink the whole thing. And then I would paint the whole thing. And so the painting wow. was like, Painting was always the fastest part. It's watercolor too, so it's not like you can. And then like my style is like it's just like layers of it, so it's not like I'm modeling a bunch of stuff. I'm, I'm, no. I'm doing it, laying it down in different ways. So I was able to do it a little what bit quicker. Well, let me let me ask you: do, do you think the fact that you didn't take kind of an uh, an Alec Ross approach, where you're doing every panel as a painting? And then moving to the next panel, do you think that that kept you in the storytelling head rather than the illustration head? Yeah, I think to me, like as a as doing writing writer artist, like I uh, there's like a there's an equation, you know, and I think um, and I can tell which artists do it, you know. And it's like Jack Kirby's one of them. Like there's an equation where it's like I like I can draw, I can paint a photorealistic painting if I wanted to, you know, but it's going to take me a lot longer to do that you know and mm -hmm. i could do like i could fill a page i could fill a panel or a page like jeff tarot or somebody you know and it's like I, I could i can do it like i'm physically able to do it but i also have i know i have like a 300 page story i want to tell and i was like i i don't there's so the, to me there's like an equation where it's like well this is 
this is the art style I can use to tell that story in in a time that makes sense for me in my lifetime to be able to tell this. Yeah. Story. And then, because I know I have like 10 more stories I want to get to after this. So to me, I like picking, I consciously picked a style that was like a little more raw and a little more immediate. And then the paint isn't, isn't Alex Ross, you know, it's like, because I don't, I'm not interested in that. Like I don't, when I'm drawing my comics, I'm interested in like telling the story. So I want, I don't want you to spend any more time on that panel like I feel like the more you put into that panel, the longer you're gonna stay on it. I was like, I don't want you yeah, lingering on yeah. it, right? I want you like flipping pages, you know, and I want you like like I think Jeff Smith does a good job of that. Like his balance of like detail versus storytelling. It's like it it, it keeps you going, you know. And yeah. uh, and, I, and I do think a lot of times the um the artist is the saboteur of the storyteller. Uh and and I think a lot of times, especially when you're when you're painting something, every brushstroke you lay down makes that more luscious. You know, it yeah. makes it it makes it more attractive. And and when when I'm looking through mind management, sometimes you're kind of going, I want you to ricochet off this panel. So I'm really not even going to paint the characters. I'm going to do a little splashy watercolor in the background. Mm -hmm. And the next panel is going to get a little bit more attention. And, and I think the, the cool thing about that is it took me personally probably about like eight to 10 pages to kind of relax into what you were doing. And once I got to that point, there was no questions. You know, I, I, I could just really kind of flow with the, uh, with the pages and I wasn't even thinking about watercolors anymore. I wasn't even thinking about art anymore. It really yeah. became more about the experience. Yeah, no, that's that's good because I think, like, I think that's also a hurdle. Like, I think that can be like a, a hurdle for people to get over when they like look at a book. And I know it happens to me too when I pick up a book and I was like, and if I flip through it, I'm like, the art's like, oh no, the art's, you know what I mean? It's not like beautiful to look at, mm -hmm. but it's like, a, it's like, oh, but it if it's interesting, you know, I'll give it a chance, you know, and I think that I'm aware of that in my, in the style I've chosen is like, that's the hurdle. It's like, get over that, like read, read 10 pages or whatever, and just get into the story. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and I find that like a lot of my most, the books I love the most are like that. It's like, it's not about, it ends up not being about the rendering to me. It's like, how's, what's the storytelling like, you know? And like, yeah, you, know, you talk about Alex Ross. I, I just, I've had this issue of comics journal from years ago there was a big interview with him and it has his art in there. And, and then, but then they had these little ink drawings he'd done too, that were just like, they were almost like animated style, like Jeff Smith, almost like just quick brush stroke drawings. Oh yeah. Paper. Yeah. I've seen him do that right? stuff. And it's like, that's what I love. I want that. Like I, like I appreciate the, I appreciate the detail and the, the photorealism. And I, I get like, I understand it and I know everybody loves it. Uh, but I also, I was like, I like those ink drawings better. <laughs> like, I, there's something more immediate about it, you know. And it's like I, yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I don't know. And and I think that's that's the thing that that artists need to work on is is make make their style a plausible style for a certain style of story. And I think the thing that that your stuff does is there's a a, a little bit of kind of um, archaicness to the way that you're drawing. And 
you know, with the story that, uh, you know, with, with mind management, the characters don't have a solid grasp on reality. You're uncertain as to what is actually taking place. And I think the art services that so well. And it's, it's, it's weird because looking at the story that you drew, if I had drawn it, I would have hurt the story. If Adam Hughes had drawn it, he would have hurt the story, you know, but like your style on that story probably hurts the first few pages. But then once you actually start getting into the experience, it's perfect for the story. <laughs> so, um, so I yeah. really love that feeling. Yeah, no, that's, you, it's funny too, because you, you're right. Like I, to me, it's just, it's like casting a movie. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. I was going yeah. to if I was going to write something for you, it wouldn't be my management. I would write something like it would fit you, your style exactly. You know, it's a different kind of thing. And I think, and Adam uses the same way. And like, you know what I mean? It's, I'm conscious when I do the writing only thing, I'm very conscious of who I'm working with because it's, yeah, it's gotta be, I'm not going to write a, that kind of story for a different, a different artist. I would write something else, you know, and that says yeah, a lot you, of it. you you wouldn't you wouldn't want uh, Scorsese to direct Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'd see that. <laughs> I'd see that. I mean, I'd still watch it. <laughs> yeah, but you know, look, that says a lot about you as a creator because you know, the writer artist combo is a really rare, you know, bird. I guess you could say that to, to do it well. You see, there's so many guys that that write. They just write. Period. End of discussion. I don't give a shit who's drawing the book. This is the way I write and you make it, make it happen. You know, whoever the editor puts in here. So it's nice to hear, like, I think that's, that's for you who's doing both to just, I, I guess it gives you an extra edge because you can say, look, you know, I would draw it this way, but that's not going to be to this guy's strengths. That's yeah. what makes a great book. I mean, you have to collaborate with your, and it's funny because like you just see like, sometimes these combos don't work and it's like, man, it, that's oftentimes it's on the writer because he's not flexible. Yeah, I know it's true. You got got to adapt, you know, and there's been, I've had times where it's like, it doesn't work. I was like, Oh, this isn't, I'm trying to adapt, but then he's, and then it hasn't worked, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think you, I feel like those, that helps me to get better. It's like, well, I got a part of his communicating with the artist too. It's like, well, what do you, what do you like to draw? I remember working with, I worked with Clayton Crane one time and, and I was writing all this stuff and it was like, for some reason I thought he, he liked nature and I just had a preconceived notion of what he was <laughs> drawing. He was like, I really want to draw like cars and vehicles. And I was like, ugh. I was like, I don't ever write that stuff because I hate drawing those things. Oh, man. I realized it was me, it was me uh, projecting on him. And I was like, he likes it. So then I, and then as soon as I did that, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and then it, and then we kind of clicked, you know, and it's, I think that's why every, just having a conversation, you can't just, I don't want to just turn in a script and then the artist draws it. Like I've done that before where I've drawn someone else's script. I hate doing it. Cause I feel like I'm just like a production artist in some way. It's like, I try to be conscious of like, like, let's talk. What do you want to draw? What do you, what kind of story and how many panels on a page do you like? And, and, and all that stuff, you know, I think having done both, I, I I think it makes me more sensitive to the artist's um, plight because <laughs> it's not yeah, yeah. easy, you know? 
And, and I think that's one of the coolest things about comics is, uh, is not only when a, when a great creator does something awesome, but, uh, but the collaborative process, you know, on, on those occasions where you, you get the, you know, Wolfman Perez, mm. that perfect combination of, of a writer who writes the crap out of everything. And then an artist who likes drawing the crap out of everything. And yeah. it's just, you just get something, something amazing. And I, and I think Claremont Byrne Austin was, was that same thing. It's just like, this is just a perfect combination of, uh, yeah. of people on this book. And you, you're just getting something that's better than any of those creators could have done on their own. Yeah. That was, a, that was a moment in time where, uh, you know, it, informative years on my end uh and, and and probably all of us with the same age but you can't beat that combination and it was it was just magic that just happened you could never try to create it you could never put those pieces together on purpose uh but the the sum of you know that entity was the best you could ever hope for in any medium i mean it's like the perfect storm and yeah. those guys and, and they were forced they were forced multipliers to each other <laughs> you know which yeah. which made yeah. it cool and they probably i don't know this and i could i could be right or completely wrong but my guess is that they fought like crazy and hated each other at least Vernon, <laughs> you know, Vernon. Well, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's one, one end or the other. They fought like crazy, or they loved each other. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm guessing they fought like crazy and they hated each other at the time. That's my, that's my guess. I could be completely off, because usually that's the best shit. Is when you've got people that are just like fighting. <laughs> if you can get two really, really good stuff. that are fighting each other to be the. To make each other better or to be better, something yeah. that can't be the best. But then, like, there's also like Frank Miller and David Mazzuchelli, who I think is like the bet of the era. Is like, oh man, best. wow, man. yeah. I was like, those they made each other so good. Like, like, yeah. uh, uh, I just can't like those. Like, we we're really lucky because we grew up as uh, we we read that stuff. You know, like for me, I was going to the grocery store, or the gas station, and buying those books. Yeah, and, same here. And, you know, yeah. you, we will never be able my, like my kids will never replicate that. You know, like yeah. it's everything's instant. Like for me, it was chasing those books. I would sometimes, this is so sad, but like I would make uh, my mom or dad like drive me to like three different places on Tuesdays. Tuesdays, the books hit at, at the grocery store. And the, <laughs> and the so on Tuesday, I remember like, like the greatest thing ever was when my oldest sister turned 16. Because then I'll be like, look, I'll give you $5 if you'll drive me to the store. Because my mom, like, I'm going to the grocery store when I need groceries. I'm not going on Tuesday because you want to go <laughs> find a comic book. Because there were no comic book stores within, you know, 30, 40 miles of where I lived. So, but yeah, like, we grew up on just, I mean, I mean, I guess nowadays, like, my kids growing up, they have peak TV. Like, this is the era of TV that has never been matched so i guess they'll have an experience that i you know that i didn't enjoy as a child but man the the burn uh claremont era you know miller and mezzichelli which is probably you know one of the best ever um combos i mean wow i mean it's just it's it's yeah i don't know cool I mean, maybe is, it'll be is, matched is, i don't know well the, the cool thing is it it's not like it got great with time it's like when the first issues of that stuff came out, you realized you were walking on the moon day one. 
show. It's yeah. just like, this is amazing comics. Yeah. No, I remember vividly, we, we didn't have a comic shop either. We, I'd go to the grocery store and then we, we didn't have, if I didn't have the money that week or whatever, I'd hide it in the magazines. Yes. Hope it oh my God. I mean, you're, we're the <laughs> yeah. same age. You're like 47, 49, 50. Yeah, yeah, I'm 47. So I'm yeah, 40. we had the grocery <laughs> store, you know? I would put the comics in the muscle magazines. Yeah, like, yeah, I would do that too. <laughs> you know, the joke here. I wanted to do a karate magazine, you know? It's like. I wouldn't hide him in Cosmo because I was afraid that the, like, the ladies would. <laughs> the muscle, no, gonna... muscle magazines. <laughs> Once a month, we would go into the city or whatever. And then, uh, then there was a comic shop. And if we were good, we would get to go. We would go into the comic shop, you know, and we'd run around. And I, I had remember no Dark Knight, Dark Knight was coming out. And so the first issue would come out and I got that home and I was like, oh my God, what is, what am I reading? I was like, whatever, 13 or four, whatever, I, whatever, I, perfect age for that. And then I just remember going in once a month and then it was like, is a new issue out? Is a new issue out? And it, was, it wasn't, it kept being delayed because it was, I don't know what the delays were, but it was like months and months delay. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never, I didn't know about Dark Knight. There was no internet, you know, in the 80s, right? So when I, yeah. I was a freshman in college in 1989, I, I was at Auburn University, small college town in Alabama, and uh, right at like the main intersection, uh, it's called Tumor's Corner. It's a legendary place. At Tumor's Corner, there's a drugstore. And on the upstairs, like the top floor, was the comic book store. So my freshman year, Batman 89 movie had come out. So I was a freshman in 89, so it was just on the heels of that. My first day in college, walking to class, and I see this comic book, I see some comic book posters in the windows of this place. So I go there after class, and that's where I discovered Dark Knight. And I think I maybe they had like, they didn't have all the issues, but I, I bought like one or two of them and was like, my world changed that day. Like, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, world change because Batman, like the, the the grittiest thing ever, had been Robin getting killed. Yeah, like, I remember. Was, yeah, like I, I and I that was one of those grocery store buys, like where I was following the you know the, the week and and nobody nobody thought Robin was gonna die. Did you call in? Who here called in? <laughs> anybody old enough to call in on that? Oh yeah, I called in. I called. Both from the die or live. I'm ashamed Robin that I died in like 88, 87, yeah. something like that. Because I know I was still, I lived at home. I had okay. a car, but I was living at home yeah. when that happened. I remember I, was, I dialed that that 1-900 number or whatever, like yeah, once or twice. They wow. had two numbers. So it was like one number to live, one number to die. Yeah. And I called the number to die because I was like, there's no way they're going to kill him. So, <laughs> yeah. Maybe you know, that's what I did. Guys, I you guys were like the anti-Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell. It's like 2016, like there's no there's no way he's gonna win, you know? Like I was like, oh, then, oh shit, they killed they did kill Robin. Yeah, killed we killed him. No, they they didn't you I didn't did. do it. That wasn't my fault. I'm trying to remember now how I voted. I don't remember. I probably I probably dialed one to save him and one to kill him. <laughs> oh man. You neutralized wow. yourself. Everybody, thank you so very much for listening to our podcast with Matt Kent. He has Bang Out from Dark Horse right now, and his upcoming comic with Keanu Reeves, Berserker, is right around the corner. All right, well, so we'll be back with part two next week, so make sure to join us. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. <laughs>